record and then can get going. Um, what's up, sorry, mindsets. This is another episode of the show. Back with uh, another guy out of the Y Combinator, um, ex, uh, Y Combinator uh, alumni. Sorry, there's an alarm right here, but my bad. <laughs> uh, this guy is the founder and CEO of Finmark, which is a financial planning software for startups and anyone who has had issues doing financial modeling. I'm sure that's what they alleviate, and, and uh, I'm going to get more into that today. Um, this guy's a serial entrepreneur, um, having you know uh, an exit before this company as well, uh, and excited to learn more about Rami and his startup mindset and what Finmark is doing to change uh, the world. So Rami, welcome in from uh, outside of DC. Hey, thanks so much, Dan. Absolutely, man. You know, how do I? How how does like the general public get a better sense of uh, what Finmark does and yeah, so I mean, kick it, it off from there. yeah, I think um, the best way to explain the, you know, what Finmark does is probably the origin story, right? I was uh, running my last company and, um, you know, we did all of our finances in Excel, right? We had like accounting systems for, um, for keeping track of things, but then all the future forecasts were done in Excel and my CFO made a mistake in our finances. Um, that mistake made it, um, essentially double counted cash. We, we were burning way hotter than we thought we were. Uh-huh. And it forced me to lay off about 78 people. Once we realized the mistake that we had, um, cause otherwise we were going to run off of a cliff and cliff and run out of money. Um, so, um, what, what, you know, fast forward, we recovered, we laid off a bunch of people, but we recovered, sold that business, um, in 2019. And I got to work on Finmark and my goal with Finmark is to help founders really have a better sense of what their financial, what their company's financial future looks like, right. Without having to worry about Excel and, and linking cells and doing a bunch of math, you can, you know, get a really good handle about, you know, what your future revenue is going to look like, how much cash, when are you going to run out of money? You know, when do you need to raise? How much should you raise? All of those questions that founders really need to have a good handle on um, to be a successful business. Um, we want to answer for them. Yeah. I've seen like, I guess like in the, um, when I was working in VC, like the founders would send their data room with their, you know, the revenue that they make and like in an Excel model that was kind of hard to understand. How do you even put uh, these formulas together? And that that's really time consuming too. So I'm guessing you, your stuff, like it just, how, how does your stuff work? So say I'm a startup and like, I have, you know, a little bit of revenue coming in and I've raised, you know, a million dollars. And in my head, I'm just expecting that to last 10 months or however long the cash is going to be. But what do I have to type into the software? Like, how does the software know what what's in the bank account and all that stuff? Yeah, first, we integrate with all your different systems. So we integrate with your accounting software, your payroll, your CRM, and we pull all of the actuals of what happened in your business in the past. And then we let you layer in you know, your future plans on top of that. So we get a, you know, you just click a couple buttons and we get an understanding of how much money you have in the bank, what your expenses are, what your current customers look like, et cetera. And then you start putting in forecasts to say, here's what our customer growth is going to be like. Here's what, you know, my expense growth is going to be like, here's who I'm going to hire. Um, You know, I guess like for some startups, they're in different stages, right? Like some are pre-revenue and I guess like, uh, does that, I guess the, the use case there is just a forecast, like your software can forecast just based yeah. on like. Yeah. I mean, even if you're pre-revenue, you know, it's important to kind of put your ideas down on paper, right? It's important to say, you know, here's when I'm going to raise, you know, when I'm going to start making money. Here's when I'm going to raise my next round. Here's how, who I'm going to hire between now and then and how much money we're going to burn, right? You're going to be able to, 
to kind of understand what's going to get you to that next step. Gotcha. Have you uh, thought of like if the software could work for investment banks and how they try to do financial modeling or yeah. Yeah, <laughs> VCs I mean, or private equity people? Yeah, I think at some point um, it might be a tool. We actually have a, a number of customers that are um, corp dev people that oh. use that use our software to to do that, right? To just play around, you know, with pro forma and, and model some things out because you know instead of taking you hours or yeah. days in Excel, <laughs> um, you can do things in you know in a fraction of the time in Finmark. Yeah, d- just uh, I guess like to get into that aspect of the product. Um, I'm guessing like somebody's had this idea before, right? To like automate your finances. Like just uh, curious on like, what do you think Finmark does to stand out from the crowd or, you know, like what's uh, a differentiating aspect of. Uh... Yeah. So this isn't, this isn't a new idea, but what's happened, what, what all the companies that have done this before have really geared themselves towards um, bigger size companies. Even when they start with mid-sized companies, they always move up. So there's like Anaplan, Adaptive Insights, Planful, and a number of others that have raised a bunch of money, worth a lot of money, and they go up and and solve this problem for enterprises. Um, The problem is it's not just enterprises that need this, right? You know, every business, you know, all the way from pre-revenue startups really need this. And nobody's really taken the time or effort to make this simple enough for small to medium-sized businesses to use. And that's that's what we're doing differently is we're really making it um, accessible to both founders directly so that they don't even need to have a finance degree. Or if you have a, you know, a small company, a, you know, hundred people, let's say, and you have a CFO and a couple of people in accounting, you don't have the time to, to work on these big enterprise tools. Those are just too time-consuming and costly. Finmark is a better plugin um, for you to be able to get out of Excel and, and do what you need to do without, uh, without the complexities of, of kind of the bigger tools. Nice. Just uh, want to get more into that. And like, how do you price the, you know, your services for prospective users? Like, does that go, just curious, like, does it go, you know, you, you charge based off of use or per user? Or just how, how do you guys plan to do that business? Yeah, so we don't, uh, you know, we, we actually want to encourage you to bring as many people into the model as possible. I think one of the problems that a lot of founders have um, is that the finance model sits with one person, right? And like, it just sits in a folder somewhere. Yeah, sure. we, think, <laughs> we think that everybody in the organization, all the executives, the board members should really have a good handle on the finances because it tells the story of what we're doing, right? And so we don't charge on a per user basis. We actually just charge based off of the size and scale of the company. Um, we think that, you know, we want to make our price as cheap as possible for early customers, Right. So it starts at $50 a month if you're pre revenue. And then as you get bigger, we charge you a little bit more and a little bit more and we cap out around, you know, $4,000 a month. Nice. Yeah. You know, um, I think, I think, uh, I guess like when, when you were applying to Y Combinator for this, uh, what did you say? Like the one sentence pitch? I know you just said to me in like 10 minutes ago that it was a financial software or financial planning software. Exactly. Yeah. Financial planning software for startups. And then you would say the problem you solve is just Excel, like, you know, people spending hundreds of hours of, of using that and it's taking too much yeah, time. It, 
we give you we give you time back in your day um, versus using Excel. Uh, we keep the model up to date automatically. So, you know, with Excel, you have to download a bunch of data, right? Every time the month rolls over, you have to download information from your accounting system, information from your customer records, all of that. You have to keep updating the cells with FinMarket updates automatically. And then because we integrate into your sources of truth, we give you an analytics dashboard so you can slice and dice the data and really get to understand your business better. Um, so you'll be able to, to start thinking more strategically and instead of just building really simple reports. Gotcha. Yeah. Have you ever thought like in the, I guess like the use case for like people who try to do financial modeling just on their own to, to understand how the companies are performing? Like, do you think that Finmark would work just in that consumer, you know, that consumer? Yeah. I mean, of, if, if you want to, um, you know, I think, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, the sense of like um, a stock trader that's looking at doing a yeah, kind of a yeah. free, free cash flow analysis or something, uh, you know, they don't necessarily get into the depth of the company, right? They don't, they don't go into the, the expense line items and the revenue right. streams and all of that. They just kind of do um, some basic trend lines and then they try to figure out, you know, what's the free cash flow. Um, so, so the use case is a little bit different here because we're actually plugging into the systems of record. We're, we're creating a much more robust model. Um, and the whole point of, of creating a deeper model about a company is, is so that um, you get better insights into what's happening. Um, perhaps, you know, for some, some uh, traders might find, you know, that it's even easier to use us to, to project out free cash flow or, or create some sort of valuation model in Finmark too. I, I guess that could be a use case, but I, I, you know, that's not how we've marketed ourselves. So I don't know. I just, I, I guess we haven't seen that yet. <laughs> right. No, that's amazing. It's, it's pretty cool. Like in terms of what you guys are doing, cause I think, uh, if it's hard for like a VC analyst or somebody, you know, somebody who's and like looking at somebody's financials just to understand how good they're doing, you know, it's probably a little bit difficult for founders who are new to uh, running a business and don't know how to manage cash as well. And definitely see how that can um, make, make life easier and better. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And the big picture for us is then to use the underlying data and then help founders understand how to build a better business, right? If, if we aggregate all the information across all of our customers and start realizing some patterns, right? Then we can start guiding you, right? We can say, hey, you should be spending more in marketing or you should you know, have uh, a higher sales um, quota or you should hire more salespeople or you know, the inputs into your model, we can start making some recommendations to say, you know what, you're burning too hot, slow down, or you're you know, not, not growing fast enough, accelerate, right? Like all of these different things to make you a better company. Right. Does the software do that? Like just through like machine learning and AI or like what's... That's the big dream, right? Like we haven't dream? gotten there yet, right? Um, but but that's the, <laughs> the big dream, right? Later um, uh, this summer, we're releasing benchmarking to show you kind of some of that information without the recommendation engine part. Um, but over, uh, you know, over the next couple of years, our goal is to um, really get to a place that we, we use some AI to, to make recommendations for companies. Uh, no, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, I'd love to hear just a bit, a bit more about like your founder journey and kind of like what's led you into this, this world of uh, uh, entrepreneurship, startups, venture capital, just um, maybe like if you can recall, like what was your first experience like doing something entrepreneurial or startup related and 
Oh yeah. I mean, I was, I was in elementary school. Um, I, you know, I, 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 so I'm an immigrant. I was born in Syria. My family, family migrated to the U S when uh, I was, I was about nine, 10 years old. Um, and so I think it was like fifth or sixth grade. Um, I, saw these shoe shine kits abroad. And I, I like made my parents, I was like, Hey, these, these things are so cheap here. I think I could sell them in the U S. And so like I brought back two suitcases of shoe shine kits and I was like adamant (laughs) that I was going to go sell them to grocery stores. And like, they were like, you know, a nickel a piece abroad. And I brought them back and I couldn't sell a single one. I think my parents still have shoe oh, shine yeah. kits at home. <laughs> um, and it was my first experience of like, okay, that's not how retail works. But I, I enjoyed, you know, I, I've, I've had that spirit ever since. I dropped out of college to start my first company. Wow. Um, it got, that got aqua hired, um, you know, a couple of years in the industry. And then I, I went and started Distill Networks, um, ran that for, for almost 10 years um, and uh, sold that in 2019 for, for, um, for nine figures. And, you know, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. I, I just, I enjoy building stuff. You, you, you know, when you, when you sold Distill uh, Networks, you ever think like, um, that's it, I'm retired or... <laughs> You know, I, 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 I don't even have it in me. I told my wife, um, you know, I, I told my wife I was going to take a year off. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, less than six months in, I, I was starting another company. Like it was just, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't, I couldn't sit still. Even during those six months that I was supposed to be off, like I had so many home projects. My wife was like kicking me out the door. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people I talk to are also, I mean, the whole show is based on startup CEOs and um, a lot of people have, uh, this knack or just this itch to to do something in the startup world. What um what do you think? I guess like you taught you brought the the time you were bringing in shoe shine or shoe polish from uh, your hometown back back in uh, Syria. Like uh, what do you think gave you that? I guess gravitation towards doing business your own business right versus working for a company and using those skills as like a salesman or. I don't know, like a manager doing something else. You know, after after my first company got um, acquired, I, um, I, you know, I actually did a couple of different roles. I ran a sales team. I, um, you know, had a product role. So I've worked for big companies as well. And you know, when I found myself working for big companies, I, I just didn't get a sense of gratification or satisfaction. There was no, there was no output to my input, right? Like you just didn't feel like you move the needle. You don't feel like you do anything. And so what I ended up optimizing for is how much money can I make for as little effort as possible? Right. And, and, you know, I got to a place, honestly, before I started distill where I was working 20 hours a week, making, you know, well in the six figures, right. Like making almost, uh, you know, $180,000. And that was great. Like that was awesome. Don't get me wrong, but like, you know, in my mid, in my early to mid twenties, but like, that's not gratifying. Right. And so, um, I, I just, I enjoy doing stuff. I enjoy building stuff and, and I, I just can't, I can't escape it. I have to, I guess, put a statement out there. I, I just, I guess like have to, uh, what is, what is it called? Just assume, right. Like that being a CEO and founder is, is 10 X more difficult than those previous jobs you did, especially when you made it from when, when you talk about starting to sell in Finnmark, you know, the idea stage to, uh, you know, the actual product or, you know, MVP or, um, just like the smallest, uh, f- level one of startup, right. Like, do you find that that work, 
of being the entrepreneur was diff- more difficult than working under somebody or doing. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's like plowing the road with your face. Like sure. I, it is, it's um, painful um, and exhausting and a lot of work and, you know, tireless and effort and, and thankless. Right. Um, but uh, you know, I, I get, I, weirdly enough, sadistically enough, I, I enjoy it. Right. Um, but it is a lot worse, a lot harder. Um, I, you know, there's this glamorization of entrepreneurship that I try to talk as many founders <laughs> out of as possible, right? Like when I go talk to, to, you know, kids in college or, you know, any, any kind of people thinking about entrepreneurship, I'm like, do it, but like, don't. Right. Like, you know, like really have conviction around what you're trying to solve and really like love the people that you want to work with. Otherwise, this is not this is not the glamorous job that you think it is. Do you feel like for yourself, you've been able to optimize in those directions? You love people. You have people that you love to work with and you do something you love right currently right now. Yeah. How did you do that? Um, you know, the, the first one, the first company, it was just a small, you know, couple of us. Um, it was just fine. There was, you know, we got along fine. We were friends when we started it. That my, my second company, I started with my best friends. I recruited my like best friends in there, like people I'd known since like eighth grade in high school. Um, and so like we grew that, um, with a bunch of friends and then we became friends with everybody we hired. Like it was, it was really (laughs) like kind of like a, almost like a fraternity, um, for, for better and worse in some, some times right? Like we actually, you know, did, did have a lot of fun. Um, and then this time around, I, I hand selected people that, you know, had worked for me before that I knew I liked working with, that I knew I wanted to work alongside. Um, and, and, and so that's, that's how I optimized around the people around me. Um, and then as far as the, the problem statements, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I, anytime I, I embark on something, I, I really have to believe in that this is a big problem if I, if I fix it, it impacts a lot of people and, um, and that, you know, it's, it's meaningful. I hear you. Were you the, just curious, like what role do you find that you played the most, like, uh, as a CEO, like, you know, building, like, were you the coder? Were you like the designer? Were you doing everything? I write, I write really crappy code. So no, nobody wants me coding. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote the first, I wrote the first version of our product. Um, at the still, nobody, nobody let me code um, this time around. Um, but I, I do design. Um, I do really, really like product design and and product vision. That's my that's my passion. That's what I love spending time on. Um, but I find myself having to wear a lot of different hats. Right. I have to be kind of de facto head of sales for a while. I have to be, you know, the sometimes jumping into marketing, and you, you kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, but my my passion is is product product nice yeah you know i I find that a lot of people who um get successful in in terms of startups it starts with like product management or anything uh the product world design or anything that to do with that web so (laughs) yeah it's it's probably not a coincidence um so i I guess like in terms of finmark as a company you guys have uh raised a good amount from notable venture capitalists uh to name a few bessemer I'm reading um, on Crunchbase as well as Draper and uh, I'm sure a lot of good angels and, and uh, peers that, that you uh, know better than I do, but um, just uh, would like to, I guess I like have a, maybe a brief conversation on your fundraising mindset uh, when it came to pitching VCs or angels, just, um, uh, you know, you, you've done it probably a couple of times prior to Finmark, but um, when you were, 
doing it this time around? Like, what did what did what uh what do you think it was that you did to kind of inculcate into investors that this would be a good idea to to pit, uh, to invest in? Yeah, I mean, you know, my first company, I, I I told you I got acquired. We never raised any venture capital for it, so I, you know, I didn't learn until my second company, and I learned the hard way. You know, my first round was painful, and my second round got easier. My third round got even easier. Um, and and at this point, I, I think I know how to raise capital, and it's about you know understanding the the motivations of investors, right? The first thing that I tell every founder is make sure that you're pitching a huge idea, right? Addressable market matters. Right, because that that's going to be a proxy for how big you can get. Um, from there, you you want to make sure that you articulate, you know, n- not just the big problem, but why your solution is different and why you're uniquely capable of solving that problem. Right? If if you can articulate those things, like, you know, hey, there's this big giant hairy problem that a lot of people have, <laughs> and it's and I'm the one that's going to fix it, and here's how I'm going to fix it. Like people people will rally behind you. I hear you. You know, I think just, uh, uh, I think like with uh, raising from VCs, it's, it's always like something that every young CEO or anyone in the um, startup space who's like an executive or founder, right? They, they, they uh, find out that that's one of the more challenging things just since, um, I mean, VCs, they give, uh, they give capital to like one out of every hundred or so deals that they hear about and and it's you know it's just uh in in <laughs> in your head it's like how do you raise millions of dollars from um i guess like a venture capitalist uh going in further to to like what you said about being the the hero to to solve this problem in the world like what um i guess like what gave you that confidence to to continue to do that when you got rejections or the, you know, the wheel didn't turn your way, like just since, because, I mean, just since um, it's impressive to, to raise a seed round in, in any, any for anyone, but like what, um, when you get like 50 rejections, right? Like, what do you think it is that you, you know, you, you're able to take the information and not say like, okay, I, I, I'm a give in to what they're saying. Like, I guess like, we'll give you that drive to get the job done or keep going with that. Again, that conviction in, in what we were solving, what we were building, right? So Distill Networks, um, we when we were raising our seed round, I, I spoke to over 120 investors before I got my first yes. Oh. Um, like even advisors of ours said like, hey, like you guys are uninvestable. You should listen to people. You've talked to enough people now. And and I, we just I'll call it stubborn, call yeah. it, you know, whatever. But we were we were just confident that this is this is an issue right? This is a problem. We have customers, we have paying customers that are telling us this is a problem. And I know, I know we're doing the right thing and solving it. So we just kept going at it. Like we just didn't give up. Um, and a lot of this, you know, I, I, um, my favorite quote is, a <laughs> is an adaptation from, uh, um, from Van Gogh. And, uh, uh, he, um, he used to say inspiration had to find him working. And, and I, I, I kind of adapt that and I say like, luck has to find you working if you're building a startup, right? You're, you're just going to have to keep persevering, keep trying hard. And then if you get lucky, like it, it'll work out, right? But like, if you get lucky and you're not trying hard, it's not going to work out. So like, that's, that's my mentality about building the whole company. So like a few rejections don't, don't stop me. Like it's, it's, I'm just waiting for for the gates to unlock and I'm just going to keep trying until they do. Nice. I, I think one, one thing I love, 
to get into that. Um, I, I, I just, I guess, just to echo on was, you know, once you do get that first green light, did your motivation like double once, you know, you're like, okay, I don't have to, you know, stay up late at night thinking about how to get BC. Like, I, you know, I think, I think that? my stress and, and my, um, my drive increases as you move along in the company. Right. Like it, it, you know, I'll take that back when we got to like a certain scale. I think when we got to 150, 200 people at that point, like I I started, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't the same drive where like, because I wasn't doing the driving anymore of a lot of things. Right. But, but early on, you know, when you go from just a couple of you, you're kind of frankly kicking the can, having fun, (laughs) right? Like we didn't matter. Like we would wake up and like, we all, my co-founders and I lived together. We would just kind of hang out, go to the so, gym. So at lunch. Style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it was just, it was just having fun. Then, then you get 10 employees and you're like, man, like these guys are like dependent guys and girls are depending on us to like live, right? Like, Everybody, yeah, up, for sure. you know, like this is, this is their livelihood. So, um, so that puts a different level of pressure. And then like you, you've taken more, more of people's money. Right. Like, and, and, you know, some of this money comes from endowments and comes from friends sure. and family and like it, it, the pressure just starts mounting and mounting and, and that drives you to work even harder. No. Yeah. I, I think um, that's such a beautiful picture that you're uh, painted and, and Van Gogh is definitely somebody to, to take a quote from. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think like that's, that's really like what we try to like learn more about in the show is just like, you know, we, we meet people as founders and, and, you know, these, there's these stories that you never hear about, like, you know, like you're, sh- you're kicking the can <laughs> and then uh, you're hanging out with your best friends and you're, you're trying to um, get uh, uh, an idea to, to keep going up the elevator, as they say, or, um, you know, further down the line. Uh, did you like ever think of, I guess, quitting or just, you know, putting the company on hold if, if the, that thing just stre- like stretched out too long? You know, there was a point in time, n- never quitting the company. Actually, when we sold, I didn't want to sell, right? Um, uh-huh. we, we had offers um, and, you know, a number of people around the table wanted to sell. I, I, I wanted to keep going. Um, but early on when we got rejected a lot, there were like points in time where like me and my co-founders like you know, would question ourselves, would question, you know, the, the, should we stop? But, you know, we, we persevered. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I think the deeper you go into a company, the more that you kind of intertwine your, your own identity into it. So it actually gets harder and harder to unwind. I don't, you know, I don't, I, 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 I'm actually fascinated by some of the founders. I, I think it's perfectly sure. fine. It makes a lot of sense, but I see founders start companies and then step aside five or eight years later, and move on to doing the next thing. And I just, I don't get it because I personally, I feel like my soul is, is like, <laughs> you know, like, like I'm soul bound to, to it, this right? company until, you know, until we, we get it to, to, to the finish line. I hear you. Uh, one question I have, Randy, just to switch things up is what uh, superpower would you give yourself if um, I guess like when it comes to running Finmark, uh, and I, for example, like somebody who's amazing at marketing or I don't know, just, uh, I mean, it could even be like just p- more patience, right? Like if you were to give yourself a superpower, like, what do you think? That would be? Um, one, one that I already have, or one that <laughs> I wish I would have. 
Yeah, sure. One that you uh, want or wish that you had. You know, I um, I think I think I'm a decent leader, but I I wish I could level people up more. I wish I could I could do a better job of of teaching. I wish I could do a better job of um um you know carrying people um you know and 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 helping build them up. I I really you know I really measure my own success. It, based off of the legacy of the people that I touch. Right. And so like, you know, my ambition is to like one day kind of look back and, and similar to like the PayPal mafia, look back and yeah, say sure. like, Hey, like, look at how many companies spun out of PayPal, right? Like that PayPal mafia, like dominates Silicon Valley now, you know, and, and, um, that that's, you know, ambitious to me. And I, I wish I could do a better job of, of, you know, helping people. I, I have, you know, a tremendous amount of, of legacy employees that are, that are scattered around in, in great positions all over, but I just, I, I want more. I want more for the people that work for me. No, oh, yeah. That's, that's really interesting. You say that. I mean, uh, thinking about the PayPal people, um, Musk and the, the firm founder and <laughs> Peter too, all of them, all of them, uh, doing, um, I don't know, out of this world things. So yeah. So it's cool that you say that. Uh, I guess like one, one thing I'd love to know is just how has entrepreneurship, I guess, like when people talk about entrepreneurship it, um, or, you know, meaningful things that they do, it kind of bleeds into other aspects of your life or like, you know, your mindset for this is just kind of elevates other activities that, that you're, you know, also going after, like just personally for you, what do you think entrepreneurship has, helped you in other areas that are not entrepreneurship, you know, or like maybe, you you know, you became more disciplined or just, I don't know, just more, more motivated or more confident. Like, what do you think the, one of the ripple effects of being an entrepreneur has had on your life outside of being a business person, just, I guess, personally? Yeah. I think the biggest thing that um, entrepreneurship has helped me um, do is, is think bigger right? Um, in, in every aspect, right? So um, because, you know, starting a, a startup, you have to think big market opportunity, big product, big, you know, big vision. Um, now, when I tackle any kind of project or any kind of thing, I always kind of take a, a second to zoom out, right? Like if I'm, you know, trying to do something for charity, like how can I, how can I make a bigger impact than just me, you know, rolling up my sleeves and, and, you know, volunteering, nothing wrong with that, but could I, you know, coordinate something bigger. Right. Um, and, and I think that that level of, um, discipline to zoom out, um, not a lot of people have the experience of that to, to be able to do that at scale. And I think the world needs that, right. To, to kind of coordinate something bigger, right. A lot of people's instinct is to just dive right in. And, and I think my instinct now is to kind of step back and, and take a look at the bigger picture and, and, and try to um, kind of uh, kind of go, go, go for something bigger. And I, I, I really appreciate that about what entrepreneurship has given me. No way. Yeah. That's, that's really amazing. <laughs> I just came up with that question on the fly. Just, uh, <laughs> it seems like uh, it'd be here, you know, it's just uh, insightful to see what yeah. you'd have to say. Um, we're kind of nearing the end of the podcast here, but I'd love to ask you what we, ask at the end traditionally. So um, I guess this question is uh, if, if you were to give advice to Rami, the guy who dropped out of school um, or college uh, back in his twenties, 
when it comes to business um, in general or startups or just the future? What, what would you tell yourself? Um, I, would, I would tell myself two things. I would, one, tell myself to, um, you know, not optimize on, on um, you know, money or, um, you know, or fun um, in my early 20s to actually optimize on connections and people. Um, I, I've learned that in, in business, um, it's really about who you know, and, and the, the higher caliber of people that you can surround yourself with, the more motivation you're going to have. And, and the, you know, you, you, you kind of all rise together. Um, so building a better, stronger foundation, um, I think would have served me better um, instead of just friends to party with. Um, <laughs> and then um, two, I would, I would have uh, taken more risks. Um, earlier on, right? I know I dropped out of college, but then, but then, right after that acquisition, I, I really did kind of settle into the corporate world for for you know a, a number of years, um, and I think that was kind of the low risk um, option. And I, I wish I had you know kept on the, the high risk uh, trajectory, and I think I could have um, learned a lot more, a lot faster. Um, you know, you, you tend to have to slow down when you have a family. Right. Absolutely. And so now, you know, now I've slowed down a little bit more. My risk appetite is, um, well, luckily I, I, you know, I've made it. So I, I don't necessarily have to, <laughs> it, it doesn't feel like risk, but um, I do wish that I had taken more risk earlier on. Nice. The, the next question is, you know, if you were to summarize your startup mindset or just simply what is your startup mindset? Uh, um, you you know, like <laughs> it's, it's not PC, but it's, uh, um, you know, there, there's an old adage, you know, how do you eat an elephant one, one bite at a time. Right. And, and it's, you know, that my, my mindset is, um, do big things, you know, one, one little step at, at, at a time, right. Break it down into the smallest little chunk you can and, and just every day move, move a step forward. And then, you know, don't go a day without like pushing something forward. And, and when you look back, you'll have, you'll have accomplished a lot. Man, I, I love that advice. No, seriously, that's, that's great for myself as well. <laughs> um, well, Rami, I mean, this has been a spectacular podcast. Uh, if, you know, listeners of the show or anyone just stumbles upon this, how, how can they best, I guess, find out about Finmark and, uh, or, or, you know, yourself and, and you know, uh, anything you want to plug there? Yeah, I mean, I I try to be uh, pretty prolific in in terms of sharing my knowledge. So um, check out the Finmark blog, finmark.com. Follow me on Twitter, Rami Assad, uh, at Rami Assad. Um, I write for Forbes. I write for TechCrunch. um, And I I write on our own blog. So, um, you know, my my goal is to to try to share as much of my knowledge um, so that entrepreneurs don't have to kind of learn the lessons the hard way like I did. Um, So, yeah, you can check me out at, at all of those different places. Wow, yeah. Thanks so much, Ren. I mean, this has been highly intelligent and inspiring and, and uh, uh, helpful. All, all, the, all the good actions I can think of. Thanks so much, Ren. Hey, thank you guys so much for coming out to Lantana's episode. Really means a lot. Um, if you want to get more involved and learn more about our show, uh, check us out, check us out at com slash blog. Uh, we're going to be putting out more blogs. Our website's looking really nice. Shout out to my friend Giovanni and uh, all the work he's put into that. Um, and yeah, you know, Startup Mindsets 2022 is is uh, is is taking off. And, and um, we know we're, we, we, last time we said we were just at the beginning, but I think this is like you know the time to grow and the time to stretch. And uh, you're gonna see you're gonna be excited about what you see. So, deuces. <laughs>